You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. for the Penn State Blitz. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. It's also the Penn State Blitz podcast. We're having a couple technical difficulties today, but that's not your problem. That's our problem. We're still going to give you some great content. Greg Pickle uh, had a chance to talk to some Penn State players and coaches last week. A lot of interesting takeaways from that, but let's start with the most recent news and get uh, our takes on it. Um, Penn State's wide receiver room uh, it's going to be missing a key player. It looks like permanently second-year wideout John Dunmore recently uh, decided to leave the team. He's not with the program. James Franklin didn't have much to say about it on Wednesday. So without, let's, without hazarding too many guesses, he's, he's, he's clearly not on the team. Uh, in your mind, how does it impact the wide receiver room and how big of a loss is this? Yeah, one thing I think is worth noting off the jump is, and you can disagree with me here in a second, but I got the sense from James Franklin that John Dunmore, the door's not closed for him when it comes to maybe returning to Penn State as my email goes off in the background. We are having quite the day here, Bob. Um, yes, we are. You know, I, I think James Franklin kind of left the door open maybe a little bit to John Dunmore possibly coming back to Penn State at some point. But he has withdrawn. I believe he's back in Florida. So that's obviously a long shot. But I don't think yeah. it's out of the question. It's disappointing in a lot of ways. Obviously, we hope the best for him and his family. But he would have been a fun guy to watch, I think, in this offense with Kirk Shiraka. Um he was a very talented guy in high school. I think that during the few practices we saw last year, he really yeah. flashed some good things. So hopefully things get ironed out and he ends up having success on a football field somewhere, be it at Penn State or elsewhere. But um, I guess this just is even more reason, Bob, to think that Keandre Smith-Lambert and yeah. Mark Washington are going to play and play a lot this year for Penn State. Yeah, and also I think it really uh... – it really kind of fast tracks an opportunity for TJ Jones. I think we both agree that Daniel George was probably going to be one of the three guys uh, and probably needs to be now. When I talked to Jahan Dotson uh, late, last la late last week, excuse me, he mentioned Cam Sullivan Brown. But I mean, Greg, we're talking about, you know, we, they, need, they need guys that can be playmakers, that can be explosive. And, you know, I think, I think the future of the, of the Penn State wideout room is really – it's really going to be about the youth moving forward. How quickly can they get some of these young players in a very difficult year ready to play, especially when they have a very challenging schedule? To me, I mean, it just means, like, if, if, I, if I'm Kirk Shiraka, Greg, I'm just going to lean on what um, – I know this offense is really good at um, veteran quarterback. I think of extremely talented offensive line, a couple of good running backs, three good running backs if they're all eligible to go and a terrific tight end. The question, Greg, really, I think this, the question that has to be asked is how quickly could some of the young wideouts get up to speed? Cause at some point they're going to need some big plays from the wideout 
uh, position, and it can't just be Jahan Dotson. So I thought I agree with you. I, I was I've been high on D- John Dunmore since he's got to Penn State. Uh, wish him the best, but you know they, they, they they're going to have to move on. I'm with you on Keandre. A lot of the corners mentioned him, but uh, you know it's it's going to be an interesting uh, wide receiver group this year, and we'll see who steps to the front. I guarantee you, as we talk about this, it'll probably be somebody we probably talk the least amount about that has a pretty big second half of the season. That's usually how it goes. Who knew Jahan Dotson was going to be good in 2018? Who knew KJ Hamler was going to be that good in 2018? Let's let it play out, Greg. Really had a good time talking to the Penn State's coaching staff and players uh, late last week. Got a chance to talk to just about everyone if you wanted to. Give me two or three uh, nuggets for the fans that, that kind of you learned about the team. Maybe you didn't know anything, whether it's position changes, um, guys, you know, gaining weight, guys looking good, um, breakout picks that surprised you. What kind of jumps out to you, Greg? Yeah, let me just start, I guess, finishing up the receiver part of it. I heard TJ Jones's name mentioned a couple times, the other Florida receiver in the class of 2019 with John Dunmore. So he's a guy that maybe the one that we talk when you, as soon as you said the guy that we talked the least about might have the biggest impact, TJ Jones immediately came. Yeah. So that's a good segue into some of the media day stuff. Yeah, that was a good event last week. Penn State put on a lot of chance to interact with players and coaches. Um, I heard Hakeem Beeman's name a ton. And uh huh interested in that you know he's a young guy in that defensive line group we don't know exactly what John Scott Jr.'s rotation is going to look like if it'll be as pronounced I guess you could say as what Sean Spencer's was but I think you're going to see a lot of Hakeem Beeman and Fred Hansard this year it's not that it's overlooking mm-hmm. the starters Antonio Shelton and PJ Mustafer, but those two are obviously the studs and defensive tackle depth I think is a legitimate concern but if the talk transfers to the field I think Penn State's going to be pretty happy with what it gets out of that position group so that was interesting to me and then the other thing of course is you know Luketa moves outside Brooks is going to be inside and you know it sounds mm-hmm. like Brent Pry feels pretty good about what he has at linebacker and he should because they've recruited that position well but and again I guess I'll note that uh sounds like they're doing plenty of cross training as it relates to the offensive line Wife's right. guys moving inside and Kane and Wallace getting a push, obviously, at tackle. So I think we might end up back at the place where Penn State's playing more than just five offensive linemen in every game. Yeah, uh, two, two of the guys, um, you know, I always kind of just watch how the, the guys kind of carry themselves and kind of talk about things when they're asked questions. Two guys that I think are tend to get, well, two guys that tend to get a little bit overlooked, I think, that are veterans on this team, that I think are going to have really nice years. And you could tell um, they're very confident kind of where they are on their roles on the team, and they're very confident in their abilities. Maybe one isn't a big surprise to you, Greg. I was impressed with Chaka Tony and kind of how he's handling it himself. Um, you could tell the guy just oozes confidence. I think he's going to have just a very big year. A lot. Everyone wants to talk about the young defensive ends and Jason Awe and Adisa Isaac. And obviously they are freakish athletes. But I think that we tend to overlook that Shaka Tony is really a hell of an athlete uh, as well. Not the biggest guy, but he's a playmaker. I think Shaka is sitting on easily, you know, a, a double-digit sack year if he's healthy. Even, even in an eight-game season, Greg, I, could, I, I think he could get double digits in sacks, which is saying a lot. The other guy that I was impressed with was Mike Miranda. 
you know, fourth year offensive lineman who, you know, when you talk about the offensive line, it's Michael Mennett, Rasheed Walker, Will Fries. Uh, we don't really talk a lot about CJ Thorpe and, and uh, Mike Miranda, the guards. Um, Mike, I asked him about his versatility and he said, you know, he's always worked at center. Um, from the moment he got to Penn State, he's obviously a guy that could start at guard. He has started at guard before. Um, but he said he kind of just looks at his role as he feels like he is a starting caliber player, whether he's at guard or center. That's the kind of things you, you, you want to hear from a young player. I think he's another player that's really going to help Penn State. You mentioned versatility. I, I agree with you. I even saw, I forget, it might have been on Lions 247, um, on the recap of James Franklin's show, I think Des Holmes is actually taking some reps at guard. So they have a lot of moving pieces on the offensive line. It's going to be a team strength. And, yeah, a guy that I think that we, we're going to have to watch, you know, in the, in, you know, after the first couple of games is Caden Wallace because he looks, Greg, he looks like he's ready to dominate physically. He's even almost more impressive looking than Rasheed Walker. And I was a big fan of how he played last year. So I think the offensive line is going to be good. Those two guys stood out to me. Um, any other notes or takeaways um, from either Sean Clifford or maybe Kirk Shiraka, Brent Pry, any of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think with Kirk, he feels pretty good about where they're at in terms of the mental side of the installation of his offense. And now they're going to get, obviously, a couple more weeks here of practice before game day. But, I mean, I guess the biggest takeaway is that, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but we really won't know what that group has in terms of being in sync and right. Page and everything else until they get to Indiana in about two weeks and change and get on the field and really put that into game action. So I'm sure they feel good about where they're at at this point. Everyone across the country does. But notable to me, yeah. the receivers group was probably the position that made the biggest jump since he's been on campus. Uh, just saying that more or less, it looks like they have more of a plan with how they're going to get from point A to point B and why that works the way it works and why certain things have to happen for it to be successful. So that was such a big part of his offense at Minnesota. I don't know if he's just saying it or if he's truly seeing it, but if he is seeing it, um, that would help this group get going a little bit quicker. So that was notable. And then, you know, I had a good chat with uh, Jordan Stout as well. And I don't think Penn State's going to miss a big beat. And this isn't trying to insult Blake Gilligan, but I think Jordan mm -hmm. Stout's a guy who can handle the, the longer kick job and the punting job, no problem. Yeah, and, and he's also, even though, you know, he's so good at it, he's also the kickoff specialist. You just wonder what they're going to do maybe to kind of, it sounds weird, but just preserve that leg a little bit during the season, especially when he's going to be punting. In theory, if Penn State's offense is going to be able to score some points, maybe they won't need him quite, in, quite as much uh, as a punter. But that's a lot of jobs to hold down. He certainly has this, uh, a strong leg, so... Still an underrated position, I think, to watch this year is how he handles all three. I don't know how many long kicks he's going to try to attempt, but the punting job is going to be something I know that you and I uh, will be watching. Uh, just one more, one more note, uh, just to pass along. Uh, I've written about it. Brent Pry is very, very excited about uh, what Brandon Smith can do this year. I was surprised when sometimes coaches say, or, or you know, you'll hear strength coach Dwight Galt, list a, a weight for a guy that's you know it's a it's a huge gain and you're not quite sure if the guy is really that big but in the case of Brandon I guess it's true Brent said he's up to 245 250 and I asked I asked uh, Brandon about it and he said yeah he's, he was 245 last Friday and you look at him 
he just looks like a different kid since he got on campus. I, I really think he's going to be um, – I think he's one of the safe – if he stays healthy, one of the safer breakout picks on the Penn State team. He's going to play, I think, on the open side, maybe the, the wide side, as on, on the strong side. They're going to ask him to do a lot. But I, I think that this is going to be – he's going to – he's they're going to miss Micah, but I, they're also adding another five-star into the equation. I know a lot of people – like him and he seems like he's got a good grasp of what he needs to do on the defense I'm excited to see what he can do and the fact that he's that big and he can still run Greg I think votes very well for a defense that's going to need some playmaking from the linebacker position with Micah moving on yeah there's no question but they again they think they feel like they've recruited that spot well and they have the athletes I mean Jason Alway, Adisa Isaac a couple yeah. of guys you just mentioned some guys in the secondary I mean it's not like they're lacking uh, team speed or things of that nature. So I don't know if that, that shouldn't be a part of the problem. The problem's just going to be executing, right? I mean, that's where yeah. – I thought Sean Clifford had an interesting way of putting it. Uh, he was talking about where they are as a program and all that, and he made the point, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically that wasn't like there were 10, 12, 15 plays that you could look at from last year and say, yep, those are the ones that – caused them to not reach the point that they wanted to, even though they made a New Year's Six Bowl. But basically that it was just one or two plays. It was one or two games. And you know what? I mean, when you look back on it, that was basically the case. They struggled at times to get off the field when they really needed to. Yeah. And there was times they couldn't protect well enough or they weren't quite where they needed to be on offense for one reason or another to get the job done. So I think it's just about execution now. You know, and one other thing while we're talking media day takeaways, I asked uh, Tariq Castro-Fields what – is gonna what's it gonna take to fix this pass defense? And he said they've been doing a lot of work on the jugs machine, catching passes uh, this <laughs> extended off season. Now we've heard that before, but I heard a couple other guys did kind of hint that maybe the defense was a little bit uh, a little bit better in the takeaway department during the extended off season. I don't know what that says about the offense, but let's not try and draw too many comparisons at this point. But um. You know, if they can figure out a way to do that, and they have the guys, Keaton Ellis, Marquise Wilson, Lamont Wade, Jaquan Brisker, Joey Porter Jr. I mean, they have guys who have a nose for the football. We saw that at times last year, notably the Maryland game, but some other times as well. Mm -hmm. So, Bob, if they can do that, um, it's going to go a long way to help, uh, I don't want to say hide, but help maybe give some of these uncertainties a chance to grow into um, what is a certainly not easy start to the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, and if we've seen anything early in college football resumption, we've seen some pretty athletic teams struggle to stop the pass on defense. You saw LSU against, I think, Mississippi State. Oklahoma struggled to stop everything on defense. Texas has struggled. So um, it's really not about athleticism, I think, all the time when there's issues maybe with pass coverage. I think there's a lot that goes into it. Hopefully they can get – get their hands on some more footballs uh, and get some game-changing plays, um, Greg. But there was also some coverage busts last year. And, you know, in that Minnesota game, there were just so many receivers that were wide open. I don't know how much of it was athleticism. It might have been more about recognition. We'll find out soon enough. The good news is the guy who carved them up in the Minnesota game is now on the Penn State sideline, Kirk Soraka. Greg, I think that uh, – We've, we're way past the halfway mark here on the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast, so I'd be remiss if I didn't say you need to remind our audience what they can do to review us, to rate us. I think rating and reviewing is the same thing, and also where they can watch and listen to this, this wonderful edition 
of the Penn State Blitz. Yeah, no doubt about it, Bob. And stay tuned because I believe we're getting close to the big reveal of the new podcast, the three times a week <laughs> podcast that uh, you, Bob, and uh, yeah, you, Bob, you, Dave, and I will be doing um, during the season. So Penn State fans, stay tuned for that. But this is the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast and video. You can find all of Penn Live's podcasts wherever you get your audio. You can also mm -hmm. watch the video youtube.com slash all Penn State and the rest of the news is at penlive.com slash Penn State football so yeah we got to the promotional part of the show just a little bit late Bob but yeah don't yeah. forget to like rate subscribe and leave, leave us some feedback yeah and I know I've talked to Dave I've talked a little bit to, go ahead I've talked to Dave Jones a little bit about his his new role in our podcast universe and I know he's excited about it He's always opinionated, Greg, and you never know what's going to be on his mind. I think, I think the audience is going to enjoy that give and take. Um, but we've talked a lot of Penn State football. Uh, what we haven't gotten to is the mailbag. Greg, we didn't give out our Preakness picks last week, and that's good news to the Penn State fan base because they would have lost money, on my opinion. I don't know how you felt about Swiss Skydiver, but congratulations to her. We could still we have one more chance to get it right in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's not forget about that. But let's stick to Penn State football. What are, what's on the minds of the Penn State fan base? Yeah, the Penn State fan base is very eager to know when they're going to learn kick times for Indiana and Ohio State. <laughs> And uh, that was a lot of what we got this week. When's it going to be? When's it going to be? When's it going to be? I mean, I, I'm not going to be shocked, Bob, if Fox and the Big Ten are in cahoots and that they're going to announce all these kick times on this Saturday morning's big new right. kickoff, whatever they call it, show. So I guess keep an eye on that. But I think next Monday is probably the day we're looking for here. Um, but there's been a lot of questions, too, Bob, about Penn State playing Friday night games. And my question to you, and I know we're going to have to um, speculate here, but mm -hmm. the fact that Penn State played two Friday night games in the last two years will save them from a Friday night game this year? Um, I just think it depends on, like, how, so who, who is in the TV pie? It's, it's, it's Fox, ESPN, but there's also the Big Ten Network. Yep. So – I'm sure there are going to be some Friday night games, maybe as far as the Big Ten Network. I'm going to say the Big Ten Network yep. uh, is, is concerned. I don't think Penn State home games, even though there's no fans, I'm going to say if it happens, it'll probably happen on the road. Um, I know there's a Rutgers game down the line that uh, I think would be a candidate. And maybe, who knows, Greg, maybe the fact that there's no fans and the fact that it doesn't impact fan travel – Maybe, maybe the Big Ten and the TV uh, people will say, you know what, home games at Beaver Stadium are in play too. James Franklin just wants a, a little heads up, Craig. I think he's made that clear. I don't think he wants any last-minute surprises with regard to um, Friday games. The one thing I wanted to ask you, though, uh, in, in, uh, is, you know, because the season is pushed back, because they're starting uh, in late October – have has the Big Ten or the TV uh, networks officially waived that rule that you, about night games in November on Saturday night? Is that does that go out the window? Because I thought I thought there was something where you unless both teams agreed, um, you couldn't play night games in November. Is that right or no? That was right. And it's a great question. One I've been trying to get an answer to with absolutely no success, but. Some of these places, yeah, I just, I was, I've been thinking about that. It was something that came to mind when the schedule first came out. But, you know, Penn State's only night game might be Ohio State at the end of October. Because 
well, I would, I mean, I guess with no crowd, it doesn't matter if you play at night, but it's still going to, some of these places, it's it's still going to be cold. So I guess the only thing I would say is that without crowds, maybe teams would be more willing to agree to a night game on the road. But, you know, I also think that the earlier you play, the earlier you get back to your campus and whatever, uh, you know, right great precautions you have in place so I think teams would probably prefer to they could all play at noon this year they would and be back to their campus by you know six seven eight o'clock whatever and be ready for the next day so it's a good question we have been trying to get an answer we've had absolutely no luck but if we do find (laughs) out maybe we'll be able to reveal it on next week's podcast so it's a good thought I again I think the Big Ten also might have to make some concessions, and that means the teams in the Big Ten, of course, because obviously they're going to do whatever it takes to get as much of that TV revenue this year as possible. I got a p- question for you, and I think the fan base might be interested in that. I don't know how many people know it, but I think there are a lot of Penn State fans uh, were, were a little uh, more than a little interested in um, the performance by – Sean Clifford's younger brother, I think, was it uh, over this past weekend? Yes. Did he have 300 receiving yards? I think he's also now officially a four-star recruit. Um, does I mean, does that surprise you? What is Penn State getting? Is he an athlete? Is he a wideout? And just how good can this guy really be with if you can put up numbers like that in a pretty good Uh, football conference yeah I mean he's definitely playing against some of the best players in Ohio so yeah I mean he's Liam Clifford right Liam Clifford Liam Clifford that's correct yep sure uh certainly probably didn't help that big brother starting big 10 quarterback was home to work out with him all offseason so I'm sure that played a role but yeah you know he was a guy that when all of the camps and the typical evaluation stuff were canceled um he was a guy that a lot of people thought might be impacted the most because I think there was a agreement, it seemed like, in the recruiting industry that he would go to some of these events and really shine and get us a rank bump accordingly. Uh, he just had to wait until the fall for that to happen because obviously nothing happened in the spring and summer. But, yeah, he's a very good talent, Bob. One of the guys in his class, and, again, I know we've talked a lot about Penn State's recruiting struggles in this cycle, and there's a lot of disappointment about what they've been able to do. But – I do think you have to keep in mind as well that some of these guys in this class may be underrated because of the lack of opportunity out there. So uh, he's just another one and he's showcasing why just about every week and, you know, had a record setting performance last week. So very talented player. All right. That's it for me. My hands falling asleep as I hold my phone. We had some technical difficulties. Is there any more follow-ups we can get to uh, before we get big week next week? I think we should stop this recording just in case it decides to blow up on us while we're trying to save it. So (laughs) I think it's a good time to walk away, Bob. We got through about 20 minutes, and that's all we could ask for today. Yeah, so just remember, guys, next week things are going to be a little – start to be a little different. We're going to have a new name for the the videos and the Penn State uh, Blitz podcast. I don't know what it's going to be, and at some point real soon, the return of David Jones to the Penn Live video world is coming. I know you guys can't wait, but we'll talk to you next week.